Welcome to the Experience Life Podcast, where we are learning to escape our comfort zone and get out of our own way from holding ourselves back from the lives we know we are made for. My name is Sarah, and I'm a mom who is infatuated with personal growth. Join me on this journey to experience life through all of life's experiences. What's up out there, lifers? Welcome to today's episode of Experience Life. Thank you for choosing to join me here on the Experience Life Airwaves today. I am experiencing life sitting on a Zoom session with a wonderful lady that I stalk on Instagram, (laughs) Maggie. Um, Welcome, Dr. Maggie Marie um, from the Instagram world. Thank you for joining me here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. Now, Maggie, I want to actually say, is that what you want me to call? Is that what we should address you as is Maggie, Dr. Maggie? Um, yeah, so that's kind of my in the works author name that I've got going on. But yeah, Maggie or Megan is totally fine. I answered to all the above. Awesome. Yeah, I was like, okay, her name is really Megan, but I find myself even in my head saying she's Dr. Maggie. Like that's how I reference you in my in my own space in my head. So welcome aboard, Maggie. And can you explain as as much depth as you would like to go um, about yourself, where you're coming from today, um, what you're working on? I know you've been working on some journaling prompts and I'm interested in this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, I am a writer. I'm a professor. I'm a podcaster. I live in the Midwest. I am all the way out in Iowa. And just a little fun fact about me, I am super bitter about the fact that I'm not a full six feet tall. I'm like (laughs) just shy of six feet tall. Um, I am working on so many different writing projects right now. It's probably too much, but I like a lot of projects. So I'm working on a sort of women's fiction romance novel. It's an enemies to lovers romance novel. And it's a lot about like healing and forgiveness and coming into your own and stuff like that. And it's actually book one of like a three-part series and I've been kind of taking a break from writing that first book because man (laughs) it is just a monster to try to like get that out into the world but I have other inspiration in the break that I'm taking right now for the second you know the second book and the third book so that's been really fun so I'm working on that and um, I'm also working on a guide to journaling so so many women pop up into my dms saying, oh, how do you journal? How do you do this? How do you do that? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a professor. (laughs) You know, I majored in English, right? I have three degrees in English. I can teach people how to do this. And I'm really excited about it. It's going to be called The Power Within, Her Guide to Journaling. And I want it to have a sort of kickback component to it, like a philanthropic kickback, where I want half of the proceeds to go to creating a scholarship fund for young girls. So I'm really excited about it that I get to help empower other women, you know, to get more connected to themselves through journaling and then also through empowering those women that buy the journal, it empowers another woman in the future. So, um, yeah, those are just some of my projects I'm working on. Maggie, (laughs) this is incredible. It's, that's a perfect example of how like the world was viewing you as you're showing up and then sort of telling you like, this is what I need from you. And that like, that forms like great alignment. For you, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I felt like this last year and probably like a lot of people just, you know, feeling helpless, right? Yeah. And it's like, you know, just like journaling myself and then people asking about it. I'm like, oh, like this is something I can actually do, you know? Yes. And I think that it's going to make a difference. So, yeah. I find a lot of people um, needing sort of like that push to help them start journaling. 
Like they don't know, yeah. they want to do it, but they don't know how to. As funny as that yeah. sounds. Yeah. For sure. No, seriously, for sure. And it was interesting because when I first was asked that question, I was like, oh, like how do I do this? So it forced yeah. a really cool, weird examination of myself and like all of my journals. And I'm like, oh, and you know, I go back and analyze like what it is that I'm doing. This is that that's how I'm trained, right? Yes. As an English professor, as an English major back in college, like that's what you do. You look at a text and you try to figure out how it works and like what it means. So I was taking all of those skills and applying them to my own journals. And it was this like weird moment, but it was really cool because I realized that I could methodize. I don't even know if that's the right word, but like create methods from what I was doing to make journaling way more tangible and accessible to people. So I'm really fired up about that project. That's amazing. I'm, I'm glad that it's making you feel fulfilled. That means that you're going to be even better at it. Just the way you speak about it. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I, thank you. I hope so. Yeah. Is that now, Maggie, tell us the name of your podcast. I feel like it is something like that power within her. Yeah, it's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I'm all about, I sort of have like three pillars to it. It's all about critical thinking, personal growth and self-empowerment. I feel like all three of those things go together and I feel like we can't really have one without the other. Absolutely. Yeah. Full spectrum. So Maggie, I want to um, point this out. So I we've been sort of connecting for a bit. We're in like the same community and a lot of your things I find jive with me, but I was really drawn to you and was like, I need to bring Maggie to my show right now because I have so many people um, that have been coming to me about certain things and there's sort of like underlying themes there. And I was also walking through navigating this in my own life. My last podcast episode, I talked about um, how I had found my own self and had to examine in my own life that I had been over self disciplining myself. And so you posted an Instagram um, thread about how we can so often get caught up in like the hustle and grind culture and how we as a society, we've normalized this. And so can you speak about how like you manage this in your own life or maybe you're teaching this um, in your life and how you find that like we sometimes attach our worthiness to it, the productivity and constantly mm -hmm. producing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I also have like a full podcast episode on this too, and I can give you the link to put in yes. the show notes too. But yeah. yeah, for sure, Sarah, we live in a world <laughs> where if we are not constantly doing something, you know, active or quote unquote, making forward progress on a goal, we're being lazy or we don't yeah. want it bad enough, right? Or if yes. we're not burnt out to a crisp, then there's something wrong with you, right? Yes. And to me, that leads to this just crazy burnout. And I really think that being burnt out on something that you love is a tragedy. Um, and so, for example, uh, right, like, so I'm a writer and I completely had burned myself out on writing in the fall of um, 2020. So um, coming up on like a year ago, I was just like burnt out on writing because I was teaching a ton of classes. I was putting so much pressure on myself to write, to be quote unquote productive, to actually be doing the writing that... Yeah. I would get up every morning at like 4 a.m., <laughs> have tons of grading to do, have tons of stuff to do. And there's nothing wrong with getting up at 4 a.m., but I had so much other stuff on my plate at the same time that getting up at 4 was just draining me, yeah. <laughs> completely draining me. And I couldn't sustain it. I couldn't sustain 
that high pressure, that high demand for being quote unquote productive. Right. And I started to resent writing and I just couldn't do it. And I didn't look forward to it, which again is a tragedy because that's something that I love to do. So I had taken a break from writing. I had to step back from writing because it was just too much. It was just too much, too much pressure, too much demand for productivity. Right. Right. Um, So I started to realize (laughs) that you know, to be a productive writer sometimes doesn't actually actively mean writing all the time, right? Like I had it in my head that if I wasn't producing X number of words a day, I was a crappy writer. I didn't deserve the title of a writer. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know how that goes, right? Where it's like you tell yourself one thing and then you're just like in a spiral. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and then do you find like it, it rips the joy out of the thing that you were doing in the first place because it brought you joy? Yes, absolutely. For sure. And, and yes. it drains um, and depletes your energy from that. And then you're not going to show up the way that you want to be, that you have the potential to be. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I'm such a proponent of having these two pillars of rest and active doing, because we need both of those to move forward with our goals and our dreams, right? Because you can't write the book if you don't actually sit down at the computer, sit down at a notebook and do the actual writing. Right. The actual writing has to happen, but we also need that rest with it. Because if you think about it, um, maybe some of the people listening in are like runners or they're athletes of some, some way, right? right? If you're an athlete, you know you have to have a day of rest or an easier day, right? Right. Or even depending on how intensive exercise you do, like there are entire like weeks you like take off, right? Yes. There's no way (laughs) that Michael Phelps or Katie Ledecky could get where they are today if they didn't take a rest day now and again, right? So we need those two pillars of actually actively doing the thing we want to do and resting in order to get where we want to go. I think with anything. It's a formula. And if you're missing a piece of that formula, then it doesn't work. It, yeah. it, it crashes. Is it fair Absolutely. to say that like you create or you would be like pushing through because you're guilting yourself? Like you were talking oh, about. Yeah. Yeah. Holding yourself yeah. to these standards and these rules per se. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I love being a professor. I love, you know, academia is really wonderful. There's lots of um, privilege in it. There's it's it's hard, but there's also lots of privilege and lots of reward with it as well. But I think that academia (laughs) has sort of made this culture of like, if you're not working on a project, you're lazy. You're not worthy. (laughs) You know, you should be doing X, Y, Z. Right. And so I definitely carry some of that with me where it's like, it'll be like a Sunday afternoon and I'll turn to my husband and I'll be like, Oh, like I should be doing this. And it's like, no, (laughs) it's Sunday. Like take a rest, you know, we as human beings need that rest and we resist it so much. And I think the thing that pushes us to burnout is that sense of guilt is that sense of like, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. And we just need to stop shooting ourselves. I think I really have been trying to pay attention to, even if it's only in my head when I am saying I should be, I, and then I go, wait, mm-hmm. is that true? Is it helpful? Like, yeah. is that producing what I want to be? So I want to take that because you just said this as like the perfect formula as a segue um, is that 
So by doing that and actually pushing through when you maybe shouldn't be, you're creating like these negative soundtracks. John Acuff, his book Soundtracks is like gold to me. You create these negative soundtracks and your thoughts create your actions, create your results. So what you're saying is, you're creating these negative soundtracks, which are telling you you're bad, telling you you're doing wrong, which is a creating an action based off of that and creating the result of burnout. Yeah, 100%. It's like, it's the setup for derailment, which is the opposite of where you're actually trying to go. So Mm -hmm. I think I heard it on on one of your podcasts. I heard you talk about um, perspective, like how you, um, how, so how would you say that you, would help somebody navigate a perspective, um, a shift away from that. Yeah. Shifting their perspective. Yeah. Sure. So first of all, I think, you know, that we are all unique individuals with unique perspectives on life and reality. Right. And so that's like the beauty of you and I of being two podcasters, right. Where we could speak about the same topic, something like comparison. Right. But then each episode is going to be completely different because we're two completely different women with two completely different set of circumstances and personalities and brains that just work differently. Right. right? Um, and I absolutely love that. So I think when it comes to perspective and like having a perspective shift, I think it's all about looking at what's like the dominant cultural societal narrative that's being told to us. Right. Right. And then checking in with that and asking ourselves, like you said, Sarah, like, is that actually true? And then thinking about, well, what's the alternative, right? And that's like using that critical thinking brain to figure out what is true, yeah. like for you, right? right? Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. I always, um, I, I try to instill like um, fact versus feeling. Is this true? Mm-hmm. Is that ha- do I have evidence to support this fact that I'm t- thing that I'm telling myself? Is it really factual? And is this helping me move the needle forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that if we constantly think a certain set of thoughts, or if we ascribe to a particular way of thinking, and usually those ways of thinking are those dominant cultural narratives. We're like, if you're not married before 30, like, what are you doing with your life? If you don't have a baby by X number of, you know, years, like there's something wrong with you, right? Like those are actual cultural societal narratives that we tell ourselves. And we need to be empowered enough to look at those things and say no, and to adopt that different set of beliefs, that different story that we wanted to tell ourselves, because if we tell young girls, you have to be married by like X age, otherwise like, you know, the sky will fall. That's yes. really negative. That's really damaging. And that becomes our life. We take that into ourselves. We take that into our being. And it's just so unbelievably damaging. And you know, we need to push back and think against the grain, think in an alternative way to that. Yeah. And, and we, I'm just now in recent years understanding how we really internalized those things our whole life Yeah, because I never knew that I could challenge. Like we, we just go through our lives and we adapt these beliefs about ourselves, and we sort of have like this bag of beliefs, but like, Mm -hmm. did you know you could challenge it? And sometimes it just takes somebody like listening to this podcast or reading it to be like, Whoa, I never thought like I could challenge that. I, I never thought twice about that, Mm -hmm. but the, so we've like adapted all of these beliefs maybe about ourselves or about where we're supposed to be in life. And that perspective has become a reality. 
And your perspective, and I heard you say this too, and I love this, is your perspective is your reality. And I try to always take this with me, especially like in my parenting, is that my kid's perspective, like if my nine-year-old is having like a meltdown and this is the end of her, you know, world, and I like tell my husband, but that's her reality, no matter how dramatic you think this is, that is the reality that she's sitting inside of. So yeah, how, do you yeah. see this like with maybe with your students or like, do you have to take this mindset? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I love that too, because it, it's, it's true that we each, you know, have different perspectives, you know, and even if it's not true, like it is our sort of reality. Right. And so in the classroom, for sure, it's a bunch of dismantling of prior sets of beliefs, right? Like, and I'm right. not telling students what to believe. I'm not indoctrinating them whatsoever. It's just teaching them the critical thinking skills of, okay, if you say to yourself, I'm not a good writer, where's that evidence, right? Like, is that like, where did you get that belief? Where's the evidence for it? You know, blah, 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 this and that. And they're like, well, I would get C's on my papers or something, or I like, you know, failed this class. It's like, okay, that might look like evidence <laughs> right. for the, the thought that you're not a good writer, but like, let's think more critically than that. We're human beings. We have neuroplasticity. We have the ability to improve. Like there's all this other evidence that gets rid of the flimsy evidence and then you can like move forward. What you, you know? look for, you will find. So you're sort of like empowering them to take a perspective shift and change the reality by changing their perspective. Yeah, for sure. Because if we stay married to certain perspectives or beliefs that don't serve us, like, what are we doing? Like, we're not going anywhere. We're yes. just going to be miserable. So it's like, fine, if you want to believe that you're not a good writer, you can stay there in this very fixed, nasty, negative space. Or you could come with me <laughs> and we could try to rewire those thought processes, right? And it's really cool to watch students abandon those conditional beliefs, those conditional statements and try, like try on a new identity, try on a new perspective. It's like, just try it, see what happens. Right. Right. I love how you said that we can stay married to this or we can come with me and try something new. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Maggie. So that's like a, the, you're helping them like shift their mindset. So how do you, Tell me, like, what is the importance that you think your mindset plays in the role of how do you show up in your life? Maybe for you yeah. or for your students. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mindset is everything. And it's actually really funny. I'll let you in on a little secret. Yeah. So, um, there, there are so many people I feel like, and maybe I, I don't know what I'm talking about because, you know, we never know what's behind the curtain, right? We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Yeah. But I have always felt like there are lots of optimistic silver linings people out there and it just comes natural to them. Right. And I love those people. And my husband is one of those people. Like he's the type of person that will say like, wow, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. Like how great could this get? Right. This could work out. This could be amazing. Yeah. And I'm just not naturally one of those people, yeah. you know, when he'll, he'll go high and say, oh, how great could this get? And I'll go low and be like, but we don't know. It might not work out, right? Like, I'll, we'll always have like, that leveling going on, right? Yeah. And, like, two years ago, I actually even, like, wrote a little essay about this that I've never released into the world um, and probably never will, but just about how he's that natural optimist and I'm more of, like, that 
you know, I, I didn't ever think that I was like this pessimist, but just more of like a realist. Like yes. you said it could work out. Your brain's like in the clouds, like, but you don't know it might not work out. Right. And I convinced myself that I was just being a realist and maybe yes. I was, but thinking back to that time now, when I wrote that essay, I think I was being a bit of a pessimist yet, but I didn't really know it yet because I was in this really like toxic mindset headspace. Right. Yeah. Um, but just because optimism hasn't ever come, you know, super naturally to me as it does like to my husband, right. I have become a reframing ninja, like a person who would originally say like, Oh, why isn't this working out? Why do I suck? But then I reframe it to say, okay, that's not true. Like it might not be working out how I thought it would or how I planned, but what else is this doing for me? What am I open to receiving now because it's not working? Um, and I think by doing that consistently and consciously, we can rewire our mindsets to be more supportive and empowering to whatever it is that we want to do, whether it's writing a paper, running the marathon, like changing your career, whatever it is. Maggie, that is gold. You have to release that essay. Like the world <laughs> needs to hear that. I literally, my wheels just started turning because I always thought, I my whole life have thought I'm an optimist and I, I do always look at the, but now I'm going to question my own self because I never thought I had a pessimistic bone in my body. I always thought I was a realist. And that's my relationship with my husband. And he's always like, well, wouldn't it be so great? And I'm like, but wait a minute, that could fail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Seriously. And it's just, it's crazy because that's just, that's like my natural inclination. Like he'll go high, I'll go low. And then we kind of have to like meet in the middle. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I don't know if you know the Enneagram system. Yes, yeah. you do. You released an episode on that. Yes, yeah. I listened to it. Um. I like I'm an Enneagram one, but the second highest number was actually a six, <laughs> wow. which is the person that says I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. Right. So I think there's a lot of that um, there in me as well. And it's, it's hard, you know, yeah. but again, going back to what we talked about before, if I stayed married to that idea that, oh, I'm a realist, that identity, if I stayed married to that concept then I wouldn't go anywhere. I wouldn't have started my podcast. I wouldn't be writing these books because you want to get, you know, quote unquote, realistic about it. It's really hard to publish books, right? Yeah. So why even try? But if I stayed there, if I stayed there and I adopted that belief, if I stayed in that identity, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Absolutely. And that, but that's the hardest work is looking at yourself to see how you are unhealthily showing up in your life and sort of like, derailing your own self. And I learned this recently about the Enneagram. And I wonder if maybe this could be true for you is that, and I mistyped at first because like, um, the way that I was answering it at the very first time that I ever took it. And the first time I ever spoke to an Enneagram specialist was that I was showing up as my unhealthy self. So I was answering yes. it from that frame of mind. When I was avoiding looking at myself in the real parts of myself because, and the Christina Wilcox told me this, I had her on the podcast. She said, when you find out your true Enneagram style, it hurts for a minute, right? Like, it does. Yeah. But then it's really like, wow. Okay. Now this makes sense. And maybe I was, you know, so I'm an Enneagram eight and I learned that an Enneagram eight can unhealthy show up as an Enneagram two, which is exactly what happened to me. 
Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I am mistyped, but I yeah. do. Cause I, and I, I feel like sometimes I see myself in a lot of the different numbers. Yeah. You know, yeah. Numbers where I'm like, whoa, that's not me <laughs> like at all. Right. Yeah. But there's others that it's like, yeah, I have some of like those things. Right. You know? So that's really interesting. Yeah, there's like so much to the Enneagram, the wings and the unhealthy way and all of it. So, yeah. 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 So, Maggie, I want to touch on one more thing, sort of like shifting gears here. Um, like we had talked about before we hopped on that there's a lot of people in my community and I think just in general and myself as well who struggle with the feelings of being like unseen or unheard just in life where maybe, you know, they're doing things and they're not being recognized for them or somebody's not understanding them or somebody's not properly praising them. And I think that this has a lot to do with like maybe our expectations of, um, of people or of life, or maybe we're intentionally doing things for like the wrong intention or I have so many like spiraled off thoughts about this. So I'm wondering, um, how do you see this, um, show up in your life or with your students or with, you know, your people in your community is like the idea of being unseen and unheard and maybe like the damage that can come from that. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Speaking, because you had said the stuff about like recognition and all that kind of stuff, right? So just going off on this other sort of thought pattern, um, I whenever it comes to my students, I do want to recognize like their effort, right? I want to yeah. recognize their effort. I want them to feel seen and heard in the effort that they put toward, you know, their papers, right? Yeah. Because I've been on that other side of the desk, <laughs> if you will, right? Like yeah. the student side of the desk and you know, it, it stinks to not be recognized like for your effort. Right. But there's also this sort of like fine dance to it where it's like you did, you know, you put in all this effort. That's amazing. But at the same time, it's like, okay, we still need to do some revision. Like there still needs to be some reexamining like of our thoughts and stuff like that. Right. But yeah. it does stink when you do something, you work hard for something and like, you're not recognized for it. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was just like a random thought I had had yeah. <laughs> sort of when, when you had said that. Um, but in terms of, for me, in terms of being unseen or unheard, I think sometimes, like I think of it in terms of what we want to do, like our vision or our goals. Yeah. And I think that our vision is always clearest to us, right? We have this sort of calling yeah. on our heart to do whatever it is, to start that podcast, to write that book, to, you know, even maybe drop out of college, right? Like whatever it is that like we have this calling, this vision that we have. And I think usually we've sat with that idea or we've sat with that vision for a while and like we're comfortable-ish enough with it. And then when it comes to that time to loop somebody in on that vision or that goal or that dream or what it is that we're going to do, sometimes we might not have the right words to explain it. And then like we get misunderstood or other times we do have the right words, but it's just different from what we usually do. And then that throws people. And then before we know it, there could be bickering or there could be a fight and we're just like not on the same page. Right. And that can be really, really frustrating. And then as a result, we end up feeling unseen and unheard. And that can just be really, really tough. Absolutely. And it's sort of like we expect people to understand and see things the way that we're seeing them. But like mm -hmm. it's not I, – I try to remind myself like it's not their vision. It's not their dream. It's not their work. Mm -hmm. It's not their – this is personal to me in my life. So is it necessary that they do see this or that they do hear me? Maybe I'm just telling them for my benefit. 
Like, what's my intention in sharing this? And I like how you yeah. said that. That What a gift you give to your students in recognizing that you've been on the other side um, of the desk. I try to do that with my kids, like remembering being a kid, like coming home and sharing artwork or certain things that they just need to be seen and heard and recognized and praised for. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I remember sure. being the student and the child. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, and I also think too that like, social media can sometimes make me feel like unseen and unheard too, right? So I follow a ton of authors and there's absolutely no shade at these other authors like whatsoever because again, I don't know what happens behind the scenes, right? right? But what I see out there is it just feels like all these authors have their ish together. It just feels like they just like put their fingers on the keyboard or they put pen to paper and it just like flows all naturally. And maybe it does, right? right? But one of my missions when it comes to writing is to be open about how freaking hard it is, right? And about how it's like, sometimes it is one step forward, 10 steps back and, you know, scrapping 50 pages, rewriting 50 pages, like having to start over. Like, it's just a crazy process. And I just feel like nobody talks about it in that way. Like we talk about that, that way in my classroom, that's different. Like that's behind closed doors, you know? Um, but just with other authors who are seen and established, I just, I, I don't see myself in them. And that's not their job to do that. But it's like, man, I wish somebody would talk about how messy the process is, how it's just, you know, can be all over the board that way. And so if I'm not careful, that can then start me down the comparison line, right? Where I'm like, oh, I'm not as good as them. It's this and that. It just becomes this crazy mindset spiral, right? So I think all the stuff we've been talking about here today just sort of overlaps and correlates, right? So. Absolutely. I, yeah. It's like the comparisonitis trap. And I, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought this up and that you talk about this because I honor this about you and I recognize this about you and I try to do it more and more because I think that relatability is something that we are lacking in this social media culture. And Mm -hmm. I, try to be really honest with my kids too, because as they grow up, there's no way to avoid them growing up without the social media culture. And I don't want them yeah. to see this. Yeah. And see this. I notice it with my teenage daughter, like see this. And then they, that's where they adapt like these self-limiting beliefs about themselves is thinking that these people mm-hmm. just have perfect lives. So I also try to remind like, you know, they're only sharing, maybe only sharing surface level things and what was behind that. And also with the work, when we find ourselves comparing ourselves, like you said, with other authors or like I used to compare myself with other people running and that's how I adapted the belief. I talked about this multiple times. Like I've been running for over 18 years, but I believed that I was not a runner. Isn't that wild? Like, how did I believe I wasn't a runner? Well, because I was comparing myself to people that were like running in the Olympics, like just because right. I'm not there, I, I also am not willing to do the work that they're doing to be, you know? Sure. So like, I'm okay with being where I am because I don't want to run every single day, millions of miles like they're doing. <laughs> but like yeah. with sharing the work of what, like you said about a book or about the, the running level that you're comparing yourself to or the success in life or business, like... I'm trying to do that because I think that that is something that is helpful to anybody that is comparing themselves. And when I find myself comparing, I ask why. Yeah. And try to examine that. And I think too, when it comes to feeling unseen and unheard, like sometimes like 
if you don't see it, like you have to be what you don't see. Yes. Right. So I look at these and as cliche and nerdy as that saying is like, it's so true because just because I don't see all these different authors, I love sharing the messy process and the frustration behind the scenes doesn't mean that I can't do that. Right. You know, so you got to be right. what you want to see. Yes. Be what you want to see. And, um, yeah, share, share like the vulnerable pieces that you think. And I find that in sharing the things that I think are like the scariest things to share, that's when people come to me and they go, oh my God, me too. And they're like, yeah. oh my God, I, like I was scared to talk about that. Or like, and I'm like blown away at these people that are like, and then they feel better and then they feel mm -hmm. seen and they feel heard and accepted. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, it's crazy because during like, you know, I think it was like the third or fourth episode of my podcast. I was sitting at my desk and I was like, okay, I think I'm going to share this one thing, but oh, like, what are people going to think? <laughs> like what, what's going to happen if I do this? Oh, people are going to think I'm a slob. I'm gross. Cause I had shared this like anecdote about how my, like I, I throw clothes. I'm horrible at like putting them back up, you know, or folding yeah. them back up and I just like fling them everywhere. <laughs> and I have some clothes that are on like a chair and I couldn't find a sweater one morning and I was really frustrated about it. And it was like this whole big thing. It was like a metaphor for this thing I wanted to talk about, but I shared that and I'm like, Oh, this is like going all over the world. People are going to know that I'm messy like this and that, whatever. And I got so many messages that they were like, Oh, I feel so seen. I feel so heard by what you said. Yes. So I just think that we need to stop censoring ourselves too and just stop trying to curate this perfect image and just be raw and real because that like you said is what attracts people that is what resonates with people and it's less exhausting yeah <laughs> and it, sure. it gives me more energy it's like wow i'm okay to be myself and like i'm sure you were like well like you're so scared and then you're like well i didn't die like <laughs> right <laughs> nothing yeah, bad absolutely. happened nothing bad happened right I immediately went to that worst case scenario. And I think yeah. that's, you know, that's what I do though. You know, yeah. like that's something I have to actively work on where it's like, I didn't go from like, maybe people will laugh, at, you know, and think it's silly. I went straight to, they're going to think I'm a slob and no one called me a slob. Yeah. Yeah. They, the more they were like, oh wow. Like she understands me. Yeah, exactly. But it's okay. I think, and I talk about this is like, it's okay to take yourself to the worst case scenario because then it's sort of like, I know the worst that could happen and I'm yeah. going to proceed anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that's exactly what I did. So I yeah. love that. <laughs> Kudos to you. <laughs> so Maggie, a few things that I ask everybody that come on my show as we wrap up is um, because this podcast is called Experience Life and I love to talk about experiencing life. What does it, if when I say experience life, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this question, Sarah. And I love your podcast. So thank you. Experiencing life to me means just like soaking it all up, just like a giant human sponge. Yes. <laughs> because life has so much goodness in it. And we only get one chance at it in the form that we are, right? Yes. So we just need to soak it up, take the trip, eat the cookie, <laughs> write the book. Yes. You know, live it up unapologetically and to do what matters and what means something to you and just not wasting our life and our chance at life by just being miserable. Yes. You know? I love that. Take, take the trip. I'm underlying that. And <laughs> so often we ask ourselves so many questions before we proceed with things and I find myself doing it and then I'm like, just execute Sarah, just execute it. Like, 
<laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes, I talk to myself quite often. <laughs> no, that's amazing. It's so true, though, you know, because we can sit in the thinking stage forever, and then before you know it, your life is going to have passed you by, and you just sat in the queue the whole time. In the queue, yes. And I think about how much time did I waste just sitting there spinning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Maggie, you said so many um, valuable things today, but can you um, identify maybe like one little nugget or favorite quote that you can leave us with? Yeah, for sure. So I actually have a quote that fits into this idea of experiencing life. Yes. And it's a quote by David Henry Thoreau, and it is a little bit philosophical, but it's okay. really, really good. And if anybody who's listening has um, watched the movie Dead Poet Society, like you're going to know where I'm going. <laughs> so uh, the quote is this. So Thoreau says, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not when it came to die, discover that I had not lived. I did not wish to live what was not life. Living is so dear nor did I wish to practice recognition unless it was quite necessary. I wanted to live deep and suck out the marrow of life. And so it is very philosophical, right? But I think it echoes what I believe is the purpose of life, which is to soak it all up. And when you reach the end to not have any regrets. That is amazing. Soak up the marrow of life. I'm going to hold on to that. Yeah. I've never heard it. That that's, that's gold. Thank you yeah. for sharing that, Maggie. Live, yeah. Living. That's what I, I think about that every day. Mm-hmm. So um, very last but not least, Maggie, where can people find you and connect with you some more and just follow you? Yeah. Well, first of all, Sarah, thank you so much for having me. I had so You're much welcome. fun. Um, so I have a podcast. It's called The Power Within Her, and it releases every Tuesday. You can find it on Apple. You can find it um, on Spotify, like literally wherever. Um, I'm also on Instagram a lot at Marie, so D-R-dot-M-E-G-G-Y-M-A-R-I-E. And then I also have a free email list where I send out free, really juicy journal prompts twice a month. I don't spam you. I don't use an email sender outer service. Like it's literally me at 6 a.m. sending out these emails. Um, and these journal prompts, promote critical thinking, self-empowerment, and personal growth. So just like to hop on that list, you just have to uh, DM me on Instagram. I didn't know that. I'm going to sign up. Yeah. Awesome. I'm excited to have you. And I will link all of this in the show notes to your Instagram and to your podcast. And I can't wait to follow you on this journey, Maggie, and just watch you blossom. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for coming here and sharing with us today. Thank you so much for joining me to experience life. If you like this episode, please spread the love and share it with a friend or tag me on social media. You can always find me on Instagram at Miss Sarah Jack. That's M-S dot S-A-R-A-H underscore J-A-C. Until next time, enjoy the ride.